Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm your co-host, Gianna Whitfer. And I'm Maria. And we are so excited today to have Liam Barnes, Head of Demand Generation at Bionic, which is in the application security space, here with us today. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. So Liam, before we dive into the juicy questions of SEO, PPC, and then also BBQ, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, of course. So when I graduated college, I actually was pre-med and thought I wanted to be a doctor. I am so far away from from being in the medical field. But when I graduated, I wanted to kind of do something that was analytical because that's obviously a lot of what you study when you're in the sciences. And so I started off with a sales job because I needed to make some money. Did not like doing sales. Then went on to the nonprofit side of things, uh, which I liked. But obviously, it's easier to raise money when you have money than it is to be actually working for a nonprofit. And so I kind of figured that out pretty quickly. And I, I love my work there, but knew I could probably do a lot more than, you know, working there. And so I wanted to get into some sort of analytical field. And so I found an internship at, uh, at a, an agency called Directive, where I was basically interning as, as an SEO intern and learning that side of things. And so kind of grew within the company and, and kind of grew into my, my SEO career, which is what I did up until working for Bionic. And then I worked at Harness for about nine months as an SEO analyst before hopping over to Bionic running DemandGen here. So kind of a crazy journey, but that's pretty much how every marketer's journey is. So <laughs> when we were little, we didn't go to bed dreaming of being cybersecurity marketers. Nope. That's for sure. No. <laughs> and so Directive, uh, Liam, Directive was kind of like your, your marketing SEO MBA sort of in, in your time there. Exactly. Yeah. And what's funny enough, I, I actually got my MBA, <laughs> which right now I'm not sure how much it actually benefited me other than the fact that it got me the job working in SEO. It's funny because there's there's kind of that that debate right now. It's like, should I go get my MBA or should I just go get more experience? And I think looking back at it, I, I wouldn't change anything. But if I was someone right now trying to break into the industry, I would just go get an internship and learn. Credentials can be helpful when there's no other way in. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So you started your journey at an SEO and a PVC agency. How did you get introduced to cybersecurity in particular? Yeah. So obviously as an intern, you kind of work on a lot of projects with a lot of different clients. So I was kind of like feeling my way around, like what kind of people I liked working for, what kind of companies I didn't like working for. And pretty much like right after I got offered a full-time job, I got offered a spot with a, a cybersecurity company. And it just became like my favorite client for a few reasons. I love the people that I worked with at that company. And two, it just was interesting because it was challenging. I think something that I think drives a lot of us who are in cybersecurity to want to continue to work for cybersecurity companies is that one, it's a booming industry and it always will be. But but two, there's there's a lot of opportunity to grow. And it's also very, very challenging. Like a lot of the best cybersecurity marketers have some sort of technical background. Maybe some don't, maybe some don't, but I've noticed a lot of people that I've worked with have had either a technical background or, or have worked for a lot of cybersecurity companies in the past, but I don't have a technical background. So I find that like 
me trying to figure out how to learn and think and feel and understand how these these technical folks are thinking and feeling and what their pain points are is is rewarding. So that's kind of like what drove me towards that when I first started working for like the first company, you know, I ever consulted for. And that's also a driver for why we created the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, you know, to do a quick plug for the group here. <laughs> if anyone's interested in joining, you can join at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. All right. Sorry, Liam. I had to do that. It was just no too open of an opportunity. <laughs> You know, you have your background in SEO and PPC. It was fun. It was analytical. You get to look at the numbers. And you've changed now from a career into demand gen. How does SEO fit into this new world that you're in now, this world of overarching demand gen? Or did you just kick it out of your plan completely? Yeah, yeah. I won't say kick it out of my plan completely, but I would say uh, deprioritize is, is for sure kind of where my head's at right now. So for, for a few reasons. So one, what I've been seeing in not just cybersecurity and in a lot of forms of marketing is that SEO is a confused industry, I would say. And it's for a few reasons that I'll, I'll dive into. But people, people are using SEO for the wrong reasons and they're doing the wrong things and looking at the wrong metrics. And it's just kind of how it's been taught. You know, I had a, a couple of experiences really early on in my SEO career where I was being led to like try and, and drive more traffic, improve the number of keywords we're ranking for in the top 10, instead of thinking about it from the business lens. And I think this is something that, that everyone sees at any form of marketing. I think SEOs have been taught to let's just drive more traffic, more traffic equals more revenue. And that's just further from the truth. There's very few SEOs out there who are marketers overarching marketers who understand that fact of like, we need to focus on things from the business lens. We don't need to focus things on from, from a traffic and an awareness lens. And so that was really the driver of why I wanted to get out of SEO is like, you get stuck in this like cyclical loop of, hey, like, why isn't our traffic increasing? And it's like, well, our traffic is increasing. It's just not increasing 3x like you wanted me to. But also, yes, the traffic's not 3x increasing like you wanted me to. But I'm getting better traffic and better people coming into the website. And it's really hard to sell that because one, I think SEO is, has an attribution problem. Nobody knows how to attribute SEO other than with keywords and, and traffic, organic traffic, right? But two, as an industry, I don't think marketers really understand it and the value of it. So I wanted to be able to like step outside of it, get more experience in other forms of, of demand gen or growth marketing or whatever you want to call it. So that eventually when I have the ability to hire my own SEO, I can be like, hey, these are the things we're focusing on. And I'm not going to ask you to 3x, 4x, 5x traffic because I know that's potentially simple, but it's potentially the wrong thing to focus on. So so I have some experience with that too at a previous position, right? You hire an SEO PPC agency. They sell you that they're going to drive traffic to your web forms, that you're going to have more conversions, all of that great stuff that you like to hear. And then you do get more conversions, but it's from grandparents calling for help with their computer <laughs> and not exactly the enterprise customers that you're trying to reach. So I bet a lot of people listening also feel that pain because also cybersecurity is super niche already. If you're targeting Fortune X customers, you only have X specific TAM anyway. You know, yep. There's only so many companies out there, so many users. So the 4X your traffic could be meaningless. You could just be collecting just waves and waves of completely irrelevant people. Yeah. I mean, 
with SEO, what I like to say is like, you have to be strategic of, of why you're doing it. So just as an example for, for what you're saying with the web form stuff, like th there's very few keywords out there that will lead someone to request a demo on your website. There just is. And for the most part, and why I think SEO gets confused is for the most part, it's branded terms. People who already know who you are and what you do and potentially how you could help them. That's probably the majority of the people that you see coming inbound to your website. In your attribution software, that it says that they came from organic search, but you have no idea what keyword they came in unless they tell you, right? And so this has happened at a few companies that I've, that I've consulted for, right? They are paying a ton of money for brand awareness. They're paying a ton of money for direct response. They're, they're doing a ton of so, great social work. They're building their brand. They're doing PR. And their inbounds and organic is, is skyrocketing. So they go, oh, we should invest in SEO. And then an SEO comes on and he goes, well, yeah, 95% of your traffic is, is, is branded. So of course, you're doing really well from an organic standpoint because all the other things that you're doing are fueling your, your inbound, right? And so, and so it's kind of like the question of like, how do I, how do I, how, how do I double down on that? Um, and some people will say, you know, increase SEO budget, get more content writers, write more SEO articles. And some people will go, well, I'm going to do more advertising because that's what's driving it. It's an interesting problem. It's an interesting puzzle that you have to solve because like you said, all these other activities that you're doing outside of PPC and SEO are driving branded search, right? People yep. hear the name, they hear Bionic out in the world, they see it at a trade show, they hear it from a friend, they did see an ad, they saw 20 ads, then they saw 40 ads, and eventually they, they type in the word Bionic, and they click on the first link, and it happens to be because you're running a branded campaign anyway, yep. an advertisement. And yep. now it's like, all right, so that's attributable to pay-per-click, but it's yep. branded. So it's yep. not really attributable, is it? it no. Or could it could be. Is there some strategies towards you know, maybe targeting more of these lower in the funnel buyers. Yeah, yeah. So lower in the funnel, you mean like people who are ready to get a demo, people who are ready to buy, things like that? Exactly. Because you're saying that there's only a certain amount of people, only there's like four keywords or whatever that can drive people to actually convert. What are the strategies you have there to try and target from the big sea of people searching for terms, not like cybersecurity or antivirus? Like how do you target lower funnel people. Yeah. Like don't pay a hundred thousand dollars a month on the term Kubernetes just because you do Kubernetes security. <laughs> I've, I've worked with a couple companies who did that. So, so I'd say there's a few things. One, it depends on what you're doing and why you're doing it. So for those lower in the funnel, people who are ready to buy people who know who you are or people who know there's a solution out there that could help them with their problems. You can, you can try and capture from like a, at least from a paid perspective or even from a, a, an organic perspective, try and capture what we call like discoverability for those searches. So let's just say, you know, you work in application security and you know that people are going to be looking for application security tools. You know, that's a highly searched term and it's probably pretty competitive. You could bid for, for that term, right? Best application security tools, top application security tools. People are going to be searching it. People are going to try and read documents. People might just Google it and be like, all right, let's see who's paying the most money and see, you know, you know, who should I be doing? Because they probably have a lot of money that they're spending towards it, right? That's how um, I pick my security vendor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and so so there's there's those types of terms that like, you know, I 
what uh, an interesting strategy that you could go after is if you have a category on like G2 or if you have a category on software advice or whatever, you know, whatever those, those third-party review sites companies are, go look at what they're paying for. Because if you look at what G2 is paying for, that means that it's a, they're either trying to get more traffic to that category, or they know that if they get enough people to that category, people are paying to be high up on that list, right? So there's margin for them to make money, right? So if you go look and see what they're paying for, like, hmm, maybe I should get on those lists on their website, or maybe I should try and outbid G2, or maybe I should just try and be right next to G2 on that keyword, right? So there's like a few things that you can do there from a paid perspective, like people already have intent in buying a tool in that category. So you can bid for the terms in which you know that they're going to be searching. Problem is that sometimes there's so many different tools within those categories that you have to probably just bid super specific and you end up probably spending a lot of money and you should probably make sure that you have someone owning that channel before investing a lot of time and energy and money into it. So that's from like a paid standpoint, but from an organic standpoint, it's kind of the same thing as what I'm saying is like, just be visible on those pages. Of course, you can like rank for what is application security or application security strategies or whatever those like really top of funnel, like above the funnel type terms. But the people who are, are searching those are usually lower level people who are either students or people trying to get into the industry, right? So there's there's air coverage there is that's the term that people love to use. But if you're a growing company like Bionic is like, I, I don't want to waste any money on that. So like, in all transparency, I'm not investing in PPC either. Like I'm, I'm purely on LinkedIn right now. So, and that's because I, I can target better there. That's really interesting. So you literally spend nothing on AdWords and only on LinkedIn. Nothing. Nope. I think if I had to, if I had to rank where I would start and then where I would go to, it's probably, it's probably LinkedIn first, uh, Facebook, Instagram second, and then I'd probably test out on TikTok before I went and spent money on PPC. I love that you're saying you'd go to TikTok. A lot yeah. of people are afraid of TikTok. Yeah. I know the reason. I get it. it. Yeah. It's cheap. It's so cheap. It, to be honest, like paid search is so expensive and and most of the the dollars that you're spending in paid search are, are on your own brand. And if people really have intent to go to your website, they're going to go. They like they just click on that on that top PPC ad that that says your name because they're lazy. <laughs> That's true. They want to cost me $10. That's what they want. <laughs> Exactly. And I think from experience too, um, I've seen AdWords be kind of like a vehicle or an influence into conversions. It's never been 100% influenced conversions. And sometimes it's not even in the mix. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are there just because we kind of have to be there, just like a lot of other questionable marketing tactics. But let me go back to Facebook and Instagram. This wasn't yep. even actually a question that I had planned for you. What would you do on Instagram and Facebook? 100% brand awareness. So this is kind of how I'm thinking of it. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this tool called Metadata. I'm not using yeah. them yet, but I will be using them at some point. So shout out Metadata, all my all my peeps out there. Well, now we have to ask them to sponsor the episode. I mean, yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Metadata free plug. So using metadata, you can get basically LinkedIn level targeting on Facebook and Instagram. And so I can run the same ads that I'm running on LinkedIn and just copy it over. I'd probably change the copy and the, and the, the sizing of the images and the, and the actual ads themselves to fit into Instagram and make them look native. But 
you can copy the targeting over. So if they see your ad on LinkedIn, they'll see your ad on Instagram, and then they'll see your ad on Facebook. And so it's just an extra touch point. The issue with Facebook right now is like the matching is so bad. But if you can carry over that matching from LinkedIn, take that matching from like 5% to 95%, then your spend is going to be a lot more efficient, one. And two, you're going to be doubling your your basically touch points with the people at a much lower cost than you would with with PPC. And so from a brand awareness standpoint, like, I mean, I'm on my phone all the time, just scrolling through Instagram and I see ads from Clearbit and like all these like oh, yeah. marketing tool. I'm sure you guys see it too, right? All these, oh, all, all these marketing companies, like it's at some point, like if you tell me what Clearbit does, I know exactly what they do because I get an ad from them every three freaking seconds. So, right. so it's a pure kind of retargeting play on Facebook and Instagram, but why do you have to have metadata? Why can't you just build that retargeting audience from the pixel, from website visitors? Because there's, uh, there's a lot of people that go onto your website that you don't want to target. Ah, there it is. Because I'll That's tell it. you, because I, I, I use a tool and I'm not going to keep plugging companies because you guys are going to get mad at me. I use a tool that shows me who comes to my website and what companies they're from. And the top four to five are people that we're recruiting to be on the sales team or on the developer team. Competitor, 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 investor, competitor, investor. It's it's like the people who come to your website for the most part, most of the, the people that come to the website are people looking for ideas, people who are trying to steal your messaging or investors trying to see whether or not they want to you know invest in your business. Or Salesforce and Zoom Info trying to sell you. Yeah, to yeah, the, yeah. there's, there's a, a lot of other companies that do that too. Um, <laughs> not going to name them either, but... So from a targeting standpoint, I don't want to waste any money, especially not at, at a stage where everything I do needs to be efficient um, because we don't have $500 million to spend on, on advertising. Like I'm lucky that I have a pretty good marketing budget. Like my, my company has been very, very nice about how much money I can spend. But in comparison to, to some of our competitors, it's, it's jump change, right? So I have to be efficient. The listeners are going to get mad if we don't ask, what is the tool? Which one? The one that, that shows us the website stuff? Yeah. Yes. Is it Leaf yeah. Feeder? No, it's Clearbit. Ah. ah, they should stop running their ads to you. Yeah. Well, I don't. I, Tell I, them I, they won. I don't, I don't pay for the tool. They, they have a, a free thing that I can, I can get every week, but they know at some point I'm going to use them because I told them so. <laughs> they have me. They're just, they're just doing this for now, right? Yeah. You're in that sales cycle. You know it. And yeah. you're a salesperson too now. You're yeah. an evangelist. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> so Liam, back to LinkedIn. I did a little bit of digging mm -hmm. and it turns out you don't like lead gen forms and content ads on LinkedIn. So tell us why. And uh, <clears throat> I'm just asking for a friend. Just asking for me. <laughs> <laughs> so two things. One, I don't, I don't mind lead gen forms. It depends on how you approach things. So if you're doing a bunch of content ads to download an ebook and you're a large company who needs to scale their BDR team, sometimes it works for you. The problem with it right now is I can't afford to spend a bunch of money to try and get people to read an ebook as well as try to sell to them based on the, the, the form that they fill, right? So like what, what, would, what ends up happening is I pay 20 bucks for someone to fill out my form, to download an ebook. And then once they download that ebook, a day later, they get hit by my BDR team. And my BDR team is like, oh, this lead kind of sucked. Like they weren't interested. So 
Like obviously they weren't interested. Like how many eBooks do you guys download that you're, you're very excited for that, for that BDR to follow up with you the next day? It's a system to where if you want to use that lead to further nurture them until they're ready to raise their hand and request a demo, that's totally fine. But at my stage, I would much rather pay for people to read the ebook than to download the ebook. And so instead of me paying 20 bucks for 10% of the people that see the ad to download the ebook, I'd rather spend $20 for all 100 people who saw the ad to read the ebook. Because if I'm creating content that provides value and all of those people read that ebook and let's just say 10% of all the people that read the ebook want a demo, that's 10 people instead of one person because you already created that barrier for people to read that ebook. Makes sense. So you're saying ungate. Un-gate. Use the use content on an ad and ungate the content. Yeah. And, and, then, put, and there's- Hey, put money behind it too is what it sounds yes, like, right? 100%. 100%. So like- Right now I have, uh, like, like, let's just say I have $10 for brand awareness. Five of those dollars goes to direct response and the other $5 goes to brand awareness. So a lot of times you see 75% of your money goes to trying to get more leads to come in. Whereas I'm only spending half of that on people to basically take a gift card to see our platform. And there's a few reasons for that. And I'll, I'll kind of dive deeper into that, but and then the other half to just see something valuable for my company and consume something from my company. And I think there's, there's not a lot of people that spend that much money on brand awareness. Yeah, that gift card thing, that sounds like a directive idea. Tell us if you're trying that already on the cybersecurity audience and if it's working. Yes. So the reason why I'm doing it is because I think our platform kicks the crap out of all of our competitors. If I didn't think that, then I wouldn't do it. And here's the reason. If you have a high enough ACV, like let's just say you have a $100,000 ACV, I can give up a $100 gift card to, to make someone see our platform. That's not a lot of money, right? And if, 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 if I run uh, regular ads just with the, the demo request lead gen form and I get five people in and let's just say one of those people turns in the pipeline, if I can 5X that number by just, hey, I'll give you $100 if you see the platform, then it's worth it. Because the cost the cost per lead doesn't go up that much. The cost per meeting doesn't go up that much. The cost to, to acquire that op doesn't go up that much. It's just $100, right? And I've actually seen um, over time, I've seen cost per meeting drop by more than $100 with the offer versus not the offer. So not only am I getting more people at a lower cost, I'm actually getting it at a lower cost than what I would have if I didn't have the offer plus the hundred dollars. So like, it's not going to scale at at some point. I'm going to have to stop doing it because we're going to have enough brand awareness. I'm not going to need to spend the money to get people into the platform. But at this rate, like my job is to try and get people into meetings with my sales team. And if it's the right people, then regardless of what the offer is, they're at least going to be intrigued and potentially want to do a POC. And right now my cost per op is pretty good. So I'm not, I'm not too upset about it. Interesting. Interesting. I'm so delighted that you're on this podcast, Liam, because there's <laughs> such a big debate about like, should we like the gift card and the swag in the gifts thing? There is no one size fits all. So on one side, people are saying like a gift card is dumb because then the people who come in, they don't have intent, right? 
They're yeah. just there for the money. But you have this other side of the house, which is like what you just said, which is like, if I believe in my product and my sales folks can actually give a demo that converts and inspires and solves a pain point and makes people go, whoa, that's actually really cool. Yeah. And the ACV is high yeah. enough. It's not, you're not giving away, you're it not helps. selling a $20 product. <laughs> yeah. Then that's a then that's a potential strategy that people are overlooking because it's a little too CPG for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like there's a few things. Like I trust my sales team more than I think a lot of marketing teams trust their sales team. Like I'm having conversations with my sales team every week, like, hey, are these leads that come in terrible? Like are they not converting? Because if they're not, then ultimately I need to change my tactic, right? But I think for the most part, we're seeing return. There's there's still tweaking that needs to be had. Like I, I can admit it, my targeting's not perfect. And I think I need to put a lot more time into that. But like, let's just say like 10 leads come in, I think two or three of them every month are turning into pipelines. So you can do the math there. It's pretty good. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon are available to look at, listen to, and sponsor at hackervalley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows, and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. So enough about the tactics. Let's talk more about Liam. Tell us a little cool. bit about Everyday Demand Gen with Liam Barnes. What's it all about? Yeah. So for people who have listened to my podcast before, I have started it and stopped it and renamed it about three times. And that's just because I'm a little bit crazy when it comes to my own work, never happy with, with what I'm doing. And I always put out something new. So I actually just changed the name of it like probably two days ago. So it started off uh, when I was an SEO called This Week in SEO. And it was primarily focused on SEO stuff. Then I got away from SEO and I was like, you know what? I should do something that's more general, more about demand gen. And it was called Five Minutes of Demand Gen, where I was doing like small clips, five minute podcasts every week, which I, I, I felt were super useful. And I'm going to still probably do that as like, a, as like a chopped up version of my current podcast. So it'll be like, everyday demand gen podcast episode that's 45 minutes long. And then I'll have like nine, five minute podcasts that I'll distribute as like a separate quote unquote podcast. So in the tech world, as you guys all know, who are listening, guys and gals, we love to pay evangelists to talk about tech, right? We pay evangelists to be the front and center person of all of our events and webinars and all, all that good stuff. I would love at some point in my career to get hired by a company to do that. And I think this is kind of like a good stepping stone of like practicing. Can I even be a podcaster? Can I go speak at events? Can I build a personal brand? And I've, I've, I think I've done like a pretty good job so far, at least in the, I would say in the SEO world, I, I did for sure. In the demand gen world, I've been in it so short that I think I have to definitely prove myself a little bit more. But yeah, I, I should probably be starting it again in hopefully like another four weeks or so where I'll put out a bunch of episodes. But basically what it'll be is conversations like we had today right? Like, what are some things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis that people can do in demand gen that'll help them do their jobs better, right? Because I feel like a lot of podcasts out there, are a lot of it's a lot of snake oil. It's a lot of people just saying that they've done stuff and look, woe is me, look at all the cool stuff I've done. And they don't really provide much value. And it's conversational and you get to hear interesting people talk, but 
you know, I don't know. There's there's some there's some marketers out there that I've never seen them do any of their own work, and they've just been leaders. So they have very loud voices. So I'd like to to maybe be one of those people who's in the weeds every day and actually executing on things and trying to provide some value in the in the demand gen world. So awesome. So a quick three things. One, hey, clear bit. I mean, hello, Liam is available to be your next evangelist. <laughs> right. And, two, metadata, and metadata. And metadata. <laughs> You're going to be one of those those people who have like the two full-time jobs secretly. <laughs> mm, definitely not secretly. It's, there's going to be no secret about it because I'll be, I'll be ripping my hair out because I'll be so busy doing both of them. <laughs> Secondly, this episode will probably come out several months after this recording. So we yeah. look forward to the next iteration of your podcast name. And we'll yeah. also link to it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it'll and, be the same name. <laughs> and then three, you're an analytical person. How are you measuring your personal brand efforts? I think it's a combination of a few things. One, reoccurring listeners of your podcast is a good one. Followers is okay. I would say interactions is probably a better measurement. So like engagement. So like if you're growing at a rate of 2x from a follower standpoint is your engagement growing by 2x. It's a good way to, to I guess, evaluate whether or not the people that are following you actually pr- like see value in, in what you're posting. I, I really don't want to plug another, t- another tool, but I think everybody, every marketer who's trying to build a personal brand should do this. It's called Shield App. You guys have probably seen it. It's basically like a LinkedIn analytics tool. They have a measurement based on like impressions and engagement and things like that where you can basically measure your reach on like a CPM basis. If your posts for a month get a million impressions and you value that CPM at $100 per thousand impressions, then you can basically calculate what the value of of basically your reach is, which is I think how most people are probably measuring their value and their reach on, on LinkedIn and all these other platforms. But there's a few different, I would say, metrics for it. But I not to just leave like the quantitative as, as the only option, like there's qualitative stuff too, right? So you, there's there's a few companies out there that have doubled down on podcasts and the way that they measure it is they Google their name in Gong and they go, how many, na- how many times has my name gotten brought up on sales calls? I know for a couple of companies that I've gotten, you know, demos for, they're like, how'd you hear about me? And I just dropped the guy's name. And so there's the qualitative aspect too. Like there is qualitative insights that you have to take into account when when thinking about your impact. So I'm speechless. I I <laughs> I, I can't even like uh, this is so good. Yeah, I think my last question is kind of related, but what are your favorite demand gen podcasts or even SEO podcasts that you listen to regularly? I would say it's not just podcasts. I'll drop the the podcast, but the, the people behind the podcast they just provide mm. a lot of value. I would say both the people at Metadata, to be honest, Mark Huber and Jason Wideup, they run their podcast there. But it's not, it's more than just that. It's all the content they push. Their big focus, which I think a lot of cybersecurity folks should probably think about is like they don't do any lead gen stuff other than basically demo requests and newsletter. And they don't let their BDR teams sell to anybody unless they raise their hand. And all they do is focus on trying to provide value. The, the salesperson that I talked to at, at Metadata on like a you know bi-monthly or every month basis, I, I tell them like, hey, this pod, like go tell Jason and, and Mark that their podcast has been hugely helpful for me. So that's a big one. From an SEO world, one of the few people that I think get it is, is my buddy, Brendan Hufford. He does 
so many things in the in the SEO community. He has his own SEO Slack group. He has you know a podcast. He's he's worked for so many great companies doing SEO and content. Uh, so that's another another person. And then I think Refine Labs, all the stuff that all of the people at Refine Labs are doing. Yep. They're they're I think they're kind of the spearheaders of trying to change demand gen. So if I could have an ounce of impact that that they have, that would be great. Yeah, I would say those are probably my my top three that I kind of consume on a on a day to day basis. And then there's a few other people that I've that I follow. Gaetano Donardi, he's been in B two B for a while. He changed over to to e commerce and yeah, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, you know, obviously like Dave Gerhardt's another another big one. Some pretty big names in there. Yeah, people a lot of a lot of our society members most likely already know and follow. Yeah. What about okay? Now we're gonna allow you to do some plugs. <laughs> there you go. I haven't plugged once this whole time. I've only been plugging my own stuff. <laughs> and these are, by the way, these are not paid placements. Yeah. We're just marketing tool happy marketers. Yes. <laughs> what are some of your favorite tools? Oh wow. Um, what are my favorite tools, and what are the ones that are actually useful? That's, that, that's <laughs> two, two, two different questions, right? So for me, as someone who who was basically a team of one for a while, you know, it was just myself and my CMO, and my CMO obviously has has so many other things to do other than like he also created content, also helped with all the copywriting, and also helped with all the product marketing and all that stuff, right? All the sales enablement, all the you know, all the things that CMOs do. For a long time, I was kind of a, a you know a team member of one. So any tools like free tools that could help me get my job done quickly, like Canva, were great. Uh, any any like LinkedIn courses that helped me with with like learning new tactics on LinkedIn were great. I'm obviously still an SEO at heart, um, and I think the tool provides a lot of information outside of SEO, which is Ahrefs. It's always something that I'm gonna buy pretty early when I when I work for companies because I think it it provides a pretty good head of analysis um, from a content standpoint. And then I would say like things that I have to do to do my job, uh, any marketing automation tool, things like it's Zapier, which is like quick fixes to like send leads in certain directions. That's a huge yes. one. I don't have a particular tool for marketing automation that I, that I care about. I'm trying to think what else. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, LinkedIn is pretty powerful just as a, as a tool in itself for, for many reasons, but any social media, like a way, social media or, or Slack, any way that you can communicate with other people to try and get ideas and, and quick wins and small tactics to, to get your job done, especially when you're on this early stage, can be massively helpful to, to kind of close any gaps that you have. So, Do you eat a lot of barbecue because you live in Texas? So <laughs> I don't eat a lot of barbecue because I live in Texas. I eat a lot of barbecue because <laughs> it's good. <laughs> do, do I potentially eat more than I should because I live in Texas? Yes. So I, I don't actually eat that much barbecue. I would say when I do eat a lot of barbecue, I eat a lot of barbecue. And there's a few places that I that I like to go to. But I, I would say like there, there's so many other places though that, that have barbecue. Like, you know, you go to California, they have a bunch of barbecue places. Like you go to Florida, they have a bunch of barbecue places. They, if you go to Memf- <laughs> Memphis, they have a bunch of barbecue places. Like, there's barbecue everywhere. It's just Texas Mar- obviously has a lot more. So Maria's waving because she's waiting for you to say Connecticut. There's so much barbecue in Connecticut, you would never believe it. <laughs> Shout out Hoodoo Brown. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, so who? So Liam, who actually has the best barbecue in Texas? Then, where are the places that you frequent that are like Mwah, the best that we have to go there? 
yeah. and convert from vegetarianism to eating meat again when we visit Texas. Yeah. So, so in order for you to convert, it's not like the everyday place that you go to. You need to go to like one of the heavy hitters. So I would say the number one go-to that's like in between like an all the time barbecue place and like maybe a, a one of the better ones is Terry Black's. That's usually a lot of people's favorite. And then I would say like an everyday one that's like super easy to go to. It's a little bit cheaper, still has good food. And they actually have them at like gas stations, which is surprising. But it's, that's a very Texas thing to do is have a barbecue joint at a gas station. Uh, it's called Rudy's and they're all over the place. So you can literally get them anywhere. I love that. The recommendation is Terry Black's and then also gas stations. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's exactly, that's exactly what my, my recommendation is. But I would say that the, the biggest heavy hitter and it's open one day a week on Saturdays and you have to get there at like 4 a.m. to be number 150 in line is this place called Snows. And I've been there a couple of times now, but it's totally worth it. Like it's by far the best food I've ever had. It's so good. One day a week, these people are living the restaurant dream, yeah. restaurant life dream. That's yeah. crazy. It's a it's like a small town, an hour and a half outside of of Austin, and so like they they're they're open during the week, but not for like just people to come in. Like uh, I think on like Wednesdays and Thursdays, they'll like be open for pickup for locals and, and things like that. But wow. they they make the big bucks on the on the weekends when the when the big crowd shows up. So. Well, we'll make sure to include links to all of these barbecue joints, plus all the tools that Liam mentioned in the show notes. So now we're on to our final, final, final last question. If you were not doing what you are doing today, which is marketing, what would you be doing? So if I if I wasn't doing what I am currently doing right now, which is marketing, I'd have to give that a little bit of thought. But what comes to my head like right away is some sort of like sports analyst. When I was a when I was a kid, I loved like watching ESPN and I knew all of the stats and you could ask me anything about any sport that was, that was going on that day. And I could tell you like what this person did and how many hits they had and how many points they had and all, you know, all the, all the major stats. Right. So I feel like that could be something that I would really like to do. I would have to be a lot better at being in front of the camera. Cause like, I, it may sound like I'm, I'm coming off a little bit confident and I can speak on the things that I, I'm talking about today, but I have like six pages written on my computer that people don't see. So I came very prepared. I think I'd have to have a little bit better of a, of a stage presence or like a camera presence, but that sounds like so much fun to me. Cause I feel like I, I always want to be watching sports and listening to sports and like participating in sports, but I just don't have enough time in the day. So I would say that's probably call it like the job that I would have been doing if, if, uh, if I was the right fit for it. So. Well, you're definitely a natural. You hear that ESPN? Yeah, ESPN. Hire me. I'm just kidding. I don't want Bionic <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Liam. Thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been a blast and we learned so much. Where can people contact you? Yeah, so I, if, if anyone wants to get in contact with me, I mean, I'm, I'm my, my, uh, I guess, metaphysical virtual door is open uh, through my Twitter and, and LinkedIn DMs. You can just look me up. I'm I'm, uh, I'm, I don't make any of my profiles public. So I think it's like at Liam B Barnes on LinkedIn and at Liam blaze, which is my middle name on Twitter. And then, I mean, you can find all my information on there. I'm sure you could scoop up my, uh, my email on there too, and DM me if you really, if you really need to. So uh, anywhere on all, on any of the socials. 
Exactly. You could use Rocket Reach, another tool, to scrape Liam's let's email just, and email Let's him. just keep plugging, keep plugging, more tools. <laughs> I also like how you clarified that Blaze is your middle name. <laughs> well, some people some people are like, oh, sick, you're a stoner. I'm like, no, it's actually a saint. Go look it up. <laughs> that's, your, that's your street name. Come on, Liam. We all know that. Yeah, it's your exactly. street SEO name. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's my hacker name. <laughs> oh my gosh, this has been so fun. We're going to have to have you on again in Love the future, you. Liam. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, make sure you give this podcast five stars, six, if that's available on your platform, and follow us and subscribe. And if you want to be on the show, send an email to podcast with an S at hackervalley.com or visit cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com backslash podcast, no S. Thanks, and we'll catch you next Wednesday. Bye, everyone. See you soon. Thanks for listening. 